What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 57. Brett's here. Kyle's here. You heard his voice in the beginning. Crazy week. John Gruden, one of the craziest college football weeks we've had ever. Yeah, a very good week. And of course, the baseball playoffs. Yeah. October is a great time in sports. We we got everything going on. We got basketball and hockey starting back up. You have NFL finally in full swing, and you have the playoffs and baseball going on. And uh, it's a good time. We had the Tyson Fury uh, Wilder fight happen over the weekend too. That was Amazing. a good fight. Uh, one of the few fights in recent history that's actually lived up to the hype. Uh, so there's that. Tyson Fury is a goat uh, in his class in boxing, uh, only behind Floyd. And Muhammad. All right. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so opener to start the week. I am going to do my fantasy wide receivers this week because there really wasn't much for me to talk about uh, as far as the Raiders because they lost. We'll get into the John Gruden situation in a little bit. Uh, and then also with Stanford losing as well and the A's not being in the playoffs. There wasn't much for me to talk about. So my three fantasy wide receivers are Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, and Mike Williams, and they all had days in route to me beating Alex at fantasy this week. Devontae Adams went off. He had 42.6 points. DK Metcalf had a good day, but was the lowest out of all of my wide receivers of 26.8 points. And then there was Mike Williams, probably my best pack, best pick in fantasy this year. He had 39.5 points, and he's been amazing throughout this whole year for me. All right. I got to go with Texas A&M with the 41 to 38 win at home against number one, Alabama. Jimbo Fisher is the first Saban assistant to finally take him down as a head coach. Zach Calzada had a great game, 285, three touchdowns and a pick. And, you know, this wasn't uh, the quarterback of the team when they were ranked fifth in the nation. Uh, they've taken a lot of hits. Even Isaiah Spiller got hurt this game, didn't finish it out. But a uh, great win for A&M, man. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into those college rankings mm-hmm. in halftime. Yeah, Kyle mentioned earlier during time with baseball playoffs, football, college football. But for me, the opener is tonight's hockey's opening night. Currently sitting here watching Tampa Bay Lightning, Pittsburgh Penguin. I know these two guys don't care quite as much. I don't think Skyler gives two shits. Kyle maybe pays maybe yeah, a little hockey. bit of attention, but you know, I- I'm into the hockey scene. My Sharks probably going to be god-awful this year. But looking forward to seeing the Seattle Kraken first game tonight versus the Las Vegas School tonight. Go Kraken in that one. But hockey's yeah. back, boys. I mean, I do have a Kraken hat, so there is that. Oh, super fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All righty. Now that we did the opener, on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And due to Skylar's request, because I left out some college quarterbacks, mm-hmm. I made sure – to get one in there this week. And there's four guys we had this week were Zach Calzada. Uh, he was 21 for 31, 285, three touchdowns and an interception in a W over number one ranked Alabama. He got hurt in the game and then miraculously came back within 10 minutes. Kind of crazy there. Uh, I'm very curious on how he's actually doing now, but I don't have the answer to that. Uh, Tom Brady destroyed the Dolphins this week uh, with his Buccaneers. 30 for 41, 411 yards and five touchdowns. That's the first time he's ever had five touchdowns and 400 yards in a game, which is crazy. 
He's also 44 years old. Justin Herbert, who's been on a tear this year up near the top in MVP conversation, will give our MVP rankings Mm -hmm. uh, here later on in the episode as well. Uh, He was 26 for 43, 398 yards and five total touchdowns against the Browns in that big victory for them. Uh, And then there was Devontae Adams, who had a major day. As I said earlier, I mentioned his fantasy points, but his actual stats were 11 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown in the crazy Packers W over the Bengals this weekend. And the voting went like this. There was Devontae Adams with 4.8% of the votes. Tom Brady with 14.3% of the votes. Zach Calzado with 28.6% of the votes. And then there was Justin Herbert, just about doubling everybody with 52.4% of the votes. So he gets the Immaculate Sports honor this week. It is before the team reports, Kyle. Uh, It is episode 57. You guys have a favorite number, 57. I'll let Brett go first here. Uh, I was going to go Johan Santana, triple crown winning pitcher for the, I believe it was when he was on the Mets, uh, you know, two times that young winner. I know do at least one no hitter. That would be my 57. Yeah. Do the first no hitter in Mets history. If I recall correctly. Oh, number 57 is kind of limited. There's not a lot of football, yeah. not a lot of basketball. So I'll go K rod. One of the better closers in the late two thousands. Uh, and he, he was dominant. He held the record for the most saves in a season before Edwin Diaz broke that a couple years ago. Uh, I think Edwin Diaz broke that. I'm not tripping. I think that did happen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I believe so. K Rod, a legend, uh, never going to be in the Hall of Fame, though, obviously. Yeah. PD user. All right. Uh, my number 57, Jets linebacker Mo Lewis, single handedly responsible for the Patriots dynasty. <laughs> If you don't know, he uh, knocked out Drew Bledsoe, tore his ACL in a you know, game that no one cared about at the time. But uh, mm-hmm. a young man named Thomas Brady came into the game for Michigan. Whoever that is. And he took the league by storm. All right. It's not like he's thrown for 400 yards and five touchdowns <laughs> in a game in 2021. Now, is he on to team reports? Uh, I guess I'll go first with the Raiders. I'm not going to get into the Gruden situation yet because mm-hmm. we have that as our big headline here in a few minutes. Let's talk about the game. The game was very slow uh, for the Raiders. They have this terrible habit of just not coming out the gates with any enthusiasm or anything like that. So they just need to manufacture everything in the second half. Uh, Offense got going in the second half. They scored a touchdown of Josh Jacobs running into the end zone, but they lose 20 to nine against the bears. Pretty disappointing day. Uh, But I feel like there's a, bit of distraction around the locker room as well with all the stuff that's been going on. Every single player in the press conference was saying, Oh, how about John Gruden this and John Gruden that I'm happy with how the defense played in the second half. They played really, really well. They kept us in the game. Just uh, the offense couldn't get going against the bears defense and Khalil Mack, man. It's one of the best defensive players for a reason. Still one of my favorite players in the league. All right. Um, This Sunday, the jets did not get off the plane to London. They didn't show up. It was a forfeit. Uh, well, that's what it seemed like for the first half and, uh, 27 to 20 loss, you know, it looks better on paper than it is with all these jets losses this year, but the jets were horrible. They had no offense at all in the first half and the defense has been playing good. Um, but when they're on the field for 80% of the time, they're going to give up the yards, you know, uh, the D lines playing great. I want to shout out CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. They've been great. 
playing linebacker. But the problem is with the Robert Sala defense, uh, Brett and I were talking about this. Linebackers, when they're playing 10 yards back, they can't stop screens. They can't stop bubbles. They can't stop slants. Uh, you know, the guys have been crushing. But when the opposing team has a third and one every time, it's not going to get the job done. Zach Wilson looked really bad. Um, he was horrible. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't think this is going to be it for Zach Wilson or anything like that, but he's got to get his shit together. Uh, we didn't run the ball until the second half. When we did, it was great. Um, this loss is on Ulbrick. This loss is on Zach Wilson. And we got to start using our playmakers. Uh, I'll keep it short and simple for the Niners. Trey Lance, first start, uh, 17 to 10 loss versus the Arizona Cardinals. The past few weeks, I think the common denominator for the Niners' losses has been Kyle Shanahan, not tremendous play calling, called quarterback draw, empty backfield around 10 times. Trey Lance was, he ran for 90 yards, you know, great as a quarterback, but you don't want to see your quarterback taking 17 carries a game, especially when I didn't, I don't recall him sliding once. Defense did good, contained Kyler Murray. Nick Bosa got his fifth sack in five games. DJ Jones played well. Lance did show flashes. That's, I mean, that's the big headline here for the Niners. Tremendously athletic, isn't going to take a lot of sacks. Great mobility. Got to work on the arm, bit of the footwork, you know, keep some throws down. Did throw one interception on the first drive of the game, but there is promise there. So Niners is going to have a bye this week. Back Sunday Night Football versus the Colts week seven. Jimmy Garoppolo will likely start that game. That's that's all there really is for the Niners. Got to get back on track. Just going into the bye. Forgot to mention. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, that one Jets buys. The Raiders are at the Broncos this week. And let's get right to it now mm-hmm. with John Gruden. We're not going to talk about what's next for John Gruden. We're not going to yeah. talk about what happened with that. You can literally look anywhere else for that. We're going to talk about the Raiders and how much does this loss of John Gruden actually affect the Raiders? Because it seems yeah. like wherever you look right now, you can't find what people think is next for the Raiders. You just find, oh, is is Gruden going to do this? Is Gruden going to do that? Is more stuff going to come out with the emails and stuff? We're not going to talk about that because that's just a whole bunch of speculations, stuff like that. So we're going to talk about the Raiders. Uh, whoever wants to go first. How much does this I do have one quick thing about Gruden. Don't worry. It's nothing controversial. I just want to say I was so torn when all this came out because this is a guy that I, I love doing his impression. It's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a guy who's been like destroying football media for the past 10 years because he, he seemed like an awesome guy and, you know, it was sad to see him go, but it's also kind of unbelievable that this could happen. But anyways, uh, Short term for the Raiders, they need to keep the offensive creativity going. You can't let Ruggs and Waller disappear for a quarter. Uh, You know that happens sometimes, Kyle. Um, Long term, though, I think you could still build around Carr. They've been doing it. I think you can keep doing it. Um, And, you know, new stadium, it's going to be a hot spot for the new coaches. I think Eric Bieniemy, obviously, and again, we talked about this before the show, is he's going to be the number one guy, I believe. But... You also have guys like Joe Brady, Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore, who could be wanting to leave their OC jobs. And I, I think OC is, is what the Raiders are looking for. So that's why I wrote these guys down. And I think they'll have their pick at any one of these guys. Yeah, Scott mentioned bringing an OC. OC is kind of – I feel like when an OC comes in, especially a young guy, he wants to have his quarterback. That's, you know, typically the theme. So whether that's a guy who believes, you know, Carr is his guy – 
or a guy who, you know, wants something a little different, that's, that, that's going to be the biggest thing for me is what whoever comes in decides to do with Carr. As far as short-term, I believe it's the special teams coach, the intern. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure what he's going to offer, you know, as far as offensive scheme change. Uh, it's going to be a combination of Olsen and I think Kyle said, I think Kyle believes Carr is going to be handling a lot of the play calling, which mm-hmm. it sounds like he's been doing anyway. So that's going to be interesting to see. But as far as short term, I still think this is a good team. I think this is a good team with John Gruden. I think it will continue to be a good team without they're going to fight for a playoff spot, but it's going to be it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill climb without Gruden at the helm. Yeah, so I'm going to break this into three parts. So I'm going to break it into car. I'll break it into what's next for the coaching spot. And then something about Rich Bisaccia, the new interim mm-hmm. head coach as well. So first off with car, I feel bad for him in the sense that this is going to be his, if you want to call this a new offense now, you can. And this would be his fourth or fifth time in his career where he's had to go through this. And on, even on teams that weren't even that bad, the offense has been good in, in his time with the Raiders. And they just seems like time after time, they have to reset and start something new with him and nothing can go right with him. And the one year that everything did go right, he got hurt. So we'll see how that goes as far as him. And that leads into the next point with the replacements of who's mm-hmm. going to be the the head coach of the Raiders come next year. Obviously, if Pisaccia somehow helps the Raiders go win 13, 14 games out of nowhere somehow, then sure. Yeah. He'll probably retain the coaching job because of, you don't want to fix something that isn't broken, but it comes back to like their guy quarter QB. Is, I mean, coaches love their guy. Their QB is their guy. And will car be that guy? Just like the same question was with Gruden and will car be his guy. But I think this ends up being one of the most attractive head coaching jobs the NFL because of how ready the roster is. If you keep a, a good percentage of this roster in the next year, there, there's there's a good chance of, of playoff contention with these guys. And even, I mean, I'd love Eric Bieniemy to to come into this offense and throw his creativity, spice, and all the stuff that he does into this offense because of how smart and talented he is at getting his best playmakers the ball in open space. I think it becomes attractive to be enemy too, in the sense that the Raiders mm. have a similar offense to the Chiefs. I mean, Carr is no Mahomes, but Kelsey, a little drop off from Kelsey, you have Waller. I mean, Hill, speed. I mean, Ruggs isn't as yeah. good as Hill, but he's got the speed as Hill. You have secondary and uh, third guys like Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro, where you can put in different situations to fix the offense. Uh, and, and, fill those holes that even some of the chiefs have sometimes when McCall Hardman isn't the greatest or they have to rely on a guy like Brian Pringle sometimes for whatever reason. Uh, but you have like fillers like Renfro and Jay Jones, if you want to call him that one. And then Brian Edwards as well. So I think it becomes a very attractive job, but then on to Rich Bisaccia. I don't have much to say about him. I just know that a lot, he's been like a, a coach, in his career were a lot of players like him. I know yeah, Bryce And Butler if you don't made, know who this is, he's been Gruden's number two guy since 2002. Yeah. Not all the time. Not all the time. Well, started in 2002. Uh, right? Became, kind of. Became, he, okay. And then there was a split. And then yeah, yeah. obviously, because Gruden was, wasn't coaching for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, there was Bryce Butler, uh, wide receiver, tweeted out saying that 
Bisaccio was his favorite coach he's ever had in his career. He thought he was a super nice guy and motivated him every single day at practice. And then there was this whole, uh, Bisaccio was with the Cowboys for a long time. And there, that whole Randy Gregory situation happened. And the person who s- spoke out about it was Bisaccio. Jason Garrett was the guy who was just in the background, wouldn't do anything about it. And Bisaccio made something happen because of it. And so I like that. I mean, I like mm. that he's going to be a guy that takes initiative and keeps account- accountability over his players. And it seems like he is already liked in the clubhouse. As far as the team, though, I don't. I honestly have no clue. If I had to make a guess, it's it's a nine and eight, ten and seven team. On right. to Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Skyler knows the adventures of Geno and what's up with that one, as he was the Jets' quarterback for a little time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Russell Wilson obviously had that very like gross finger injury on the Thursday night game against the Rams. Uh, I guess it's like a torn ligament or whatever it is with that one. He's supposed to be out for four to six weeks, but no, there, there's Wilson, two injuries. It was weird. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. some weird. I don't even know what to call it, but Russell Wilson out four to six weeks. I assume he's not going to be out much more than four weeks. though, cause it's Russell Wilson and he's a guy who likes to play no matter what, as he's never missed a start in his career. Now he will though. And how much does that affect the Seahawks of having no Russell Wilson having Geno Smith being your starting quarterback. Yeah. So to start with Russell Wilson, um, they found out that the ligaments in his fingers were torn. It could be, like you said, it could be four weeks, but also if uh, Seattle can't get the job done and they're four and nine, when he comes back, I don't think they should play him. We were thinking about the long term here, but to talk about the short term with Geno Smith, um, having a backup quarterback in one of the toughest divisions in football that's never ideal. That's going to, they're going to be extra down bad for that one. But I will tell you, um, Geno Smith has something to prove here. Uh, it's been a really bad market for backup quarterbacks. You know, guys getting overpaid, not performing, uh, guys not being signed, even though they're better than, uh, you know, the Ryan Finley's of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Geno Smith's not a guy who's going to check down every time. I think he, he's looking to prove something here. So he, mm-hmm. it's not going to be, a wrap for Seattle, but we do have their, uh, their first round pick the Jets do. So I, I hope it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. To piggyback off what Skyler just said, I was actually really impressed when Gino came in that Thursday night game. He threw the pick, uh, I believe Lockett fell down fell. on that route. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, completely his fault. I think it was a bit of an ill-advised throw, but you know, that's besides the point. Um, I was, I was thoroughly impressed with how he looked the first two drives leading scoring drives, but he's not Russell Wilson. And, having seen this team play the Niners two times a year, the past couple of years, that whole team is Russell Wilson. The defense is very much below subpar. They do have a good wide receiving core, but Russell Wilson is what makes that whole thing go. His ability to extend plays, the offensive line isn't great. Without Russell Wilson, a team that's already two and three, they're in deep trouble in that tough division. They might squeak out a few wins just with the talent they have at the receiving core. Who knows? Maybe Gino does something. Jamal Adams wakes up from his season-long slumber so far. But if I'm Seattle, I'm worried. Like Skylar said, I'm thinking about holding Russell Wilson out. If, you know, he comes back and they're not in a position to do anything more than, you know, win seven, eight games this year, because that's not going to get it done in that division. Yeah. I think that the date that the Seahawks are maybe – or maybe more – more Russell Wilson trying to circle is November 14th against the Packers. Uh, 
That is a month and two days from now, and they have three games until then because they have the bye week uh, before that Packers game. And it's at Steelers on Sunday night football. Then it's at home versus the Saints on Monday night football. And then it's at home versus the Jaguars. And I think regardless of if Geno Smith or Russell Wilson is your quarterback in those games, I think two and one is a very formidable outcome uh, in those three games. And I think they can go three and one or two and one in those three games. Now everything changes. If there's a setback in the injury or Russell Wilson has to miss six weeks instead of four, because if you miss that Packers game, the next game on the schedule is the Cardinals. And so those are two games that if you don't have Russell Wilson, those are else. There's no debate about it. The Packers are too good. Same thing with the Cardinals. So I think it is very, very key for Russell to get back early. But if he isn't, then the season's lost. I think that's how it is. But also with Geno Smith, if he was to come into an offense and play quarterback, I think this is a good offense for him to come into. Because if, if he wants to throw the deep ball, this is probably the best deep ball offense that you have in the NFL with how good at Tyler Lockett is at locating the deep ball. And same thing with DK, not only catching it, but also running with it after the catch. They have a decent run game. Their O-line isn't that good. Uh, but it, it all depends on the timeline. If it's four weeks, I think the Seahawks are going to be just fine and still be able to sneak in as a wild card contender. We're going to stay in the NFC and talk about the Cowboys. They've been pretty much, I I guess you could call it the surprise team of the NFL this year. It's just how good they have been. And we're, we're going to set a little level on how good that Cowboys team is. But what do you guys think about this team this, this year in Dallas? I think Dallas is only as good as their defense. They are third to last in sacks, second to last in yards against. Dak is always going to put up a fight. But with no pass rush, it makes their bad secondary look even worse. And even Trayvon Diggs, who has been an absolute ball hawk this year, had a bad game last week. And he's not there yet. He did get a pick, though. Yes. But but he's not there yet in the man coverage, which is scary. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I will end it off. I'll talk about them a little later. Uh, once again, to piggyback off of the idea Skyler brought up, Trayvon Diggs is actually on pace to set the record for most man-to-man yards given up in a season. Despite his six interception, he's mm-hmm. on pace to give up around 1,100 yards, I believe, and that's just on you know his side of the field, which is scary if that's you know your guy. Mm-hmm. However, interceptions can make up for that, gives the ball back to that potent offense. And as far, I, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders just because I think the Rams are better, Cardinals are better, and I think the Bucks are better. However, if you're looking at playoffs, there's no team in that division that really comes close to Dallas. I think this is going to be a cakewalk as far as the division, as long as, you know, Dak, Dak particularly stays healthy. I don't think the defense will need that to be that great with the numbers that offense puts up. So as far as how good they are, I think they're a good team but I don't think they're good enough to make a run at a Super Bowl. Well, Skeller was his main point was talking about how the defense is and it only can go as far as the defense. And yes, while they've allowed a lot of yards and they've allowed a decent amount of points, the turnovers is what makes the money. And you can allow that many that are points or not points are yards. If you're getting the turnovers that they are, and they have a plus seven differential that's in second in the NFL, just behind the bills and the bills have been killing just about everybody that they're playing right now. Uh, 
and the Cowboys lead the NFL in, in interceptions, and that's that's in due part to Trayvon Diggs. I think a very similar person to Trayvon Diggs is Marcus Peters. They play very similar corner where they're very, very aggressive on the ball. They play super aggressive on it, but they're also going to get beat a good amount of times because of that. And Diggs is also still just learning in his second year. I think he'll become a bit more locked down uh, like Marcus Peters has become in the last few years of his career. But I don't know. He's a complete ball hawk. It's like Xavier Howard and, and his ball skills. But as far as the Cowboys as a team go, their offense is unstoppable. They have so many weapons that you kind of just pick your poison at, at that point. You, you have Dak, obviously. You have Zeke and Pollard that are top. I think they're both top 10 in, in rushing in the NFL or something crazy like that. If not top 10, then top 15. You have two decent tight ends in Jarwin and Schultz. And then you have a ton of very good wide receivers uh, where it's Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, whoever you want to use. They're all very, very good. And so it's just pick your poison at that point. And however you can slow down, uh, this Cowboys team is, is going to be what, what beats them. But I don't think you're going to be able to stop them as a whole. As far as picture goes, the big picture, I think this team has a they have a good chance to be in the NFC Championship game. I think that's how good they are. And we'll see how that goes later on in the season. But I, I wouldn't want to be the man trying to stop Dak right now, that's for sure. That's going to do it for the first half, though. We have a lot more football in the second half coming up. Uh, we're talk, going to talk contender and pretender. We're talk about the uh, which team that is four and one is least likely to make the playoffs. We're going to have our top five in the MVP voting top three in the defensive player of the year, top three in the rookie of the year and a little baseball talk as well. So stay tuned for the second half, but let's get to halftime. All right. We're talking about the, uh, which team that is four and one is least likely to make the playoffs. We're going to have our top five in the MVP voting top three in the defensive player of the year, top three in the rookie of the year and a little baseball talk as well. So stay tuned for the second half, but let's get to halftime. All right. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right. So first thing in halftime, we're just going to take a quick look at the other NFL games that happened. We're just going to give you the score and say a brief little thing that happened in that game. So the Rams, Seahawks, they played on Thursday night. Rams going to Seattle, get the dub. Uh, Russell Wilson obviously get hurt, gets hurt in that game. Bears Raiders, uh, we already talked about that one. Jets Falcons, already talked about that one. Packers Bengals, crazy game. Five missed field goals within the last 10 minutes of that game. The Cowboys, or not Cowboys, Packers win it in OT 25 to 22. Lions Vikings, crazy game where the Vikings almost choked that one and then they hit a game winning 54 yard field goal uh, and win 19 to 17. Lions still do not have a win in this 2021 campaign. Steelers get back on the on the the right track with a win at home versus the Broncos, but Juju Smith is out for the season. Uh, Buccaneers destroy the Dolphins, forty-five to seventeen. Saints and the Washington Football Team play. Uh, I didn't watch any of this game, uh, but thirty-three to twenty-two win for the Saints in Washington. Uh, Eagles came back big against the Panthers. Kind of a scary sight for the Panthers with them choking away that game. Uh, but good for the Eagles. Big win for Jalen Hurts against that defense. Titans blow the Jags out of the water. Jags still have not won a game, just like the Lions. Patriots come back uh, to beat the Texans. Texans played really well in this game. Davis Mills was actually incredible. 
uh, over 300 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Chris Moore was the receiver uh, of his choice. He had 109 yards in that game, a couple long plays for him. Chargers and Browns play the game of the week, 47 to 42 win for the Chargers. And it got to the point where the Browns players were just pushing Austin Eckler into the end zone because uh, they wanted him to score so they could get the ball back. Cowboys destroy the Giants. Uh, we already talked about Cardinals and, and Niners. And then the Sunday night game, uh, Bills and Chiefs. The Bills are legit, man. They are something else when it comes to it. Uh, Chiefs under 500 at two and three. Bills win 38 to 20. And the Monday night game, uh, comeback of the year for the Ravens. They were down 22 to three in this game. And then Lamar and Mark Andrews and company just went off. Uh, and win the game in overtime, 31 to 25, Lamar Jackson had his best game of his career, uh, 37 for 43. That completion percentage is insane. 442 yards, his first 400 yard passing game in his career and four touchdowns for the MVP of a couple years back. All right. So after the John Gruden news yesterday, it had me thinking what other coaches are maybe not in the same situation as Gruden, but also on a hot seat. And immediately Urban Meyer comes to mind. Yep. And honestly, I think he should follow Gruden here. What did Gruden say when he resigned? He said, I don't want to be a distraction. Well, guess what Urban Meyer's been doing? He's been an even bigger distraction. I think he should step down. And he's the worst coach. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. I don't think he can just straight up step down, though. I think that's just very, I don't know, just I, like I think too much of a quitter. I think Gruden was that's what he in did a position at Ohio where State. he had I think Gruden had to back down, otherwise he'd yeah. get fired. I think if Meyer did it, he would just look like a coward. I don't think he's I mean, the owners already came out and made a statement. I think they're gonna try to back him, see if he can turn things around, but I think I think his hot seat will be more towards the end of the season if it if it comes to that. All right. The next guy I think is on the hot seat. It's going to be Joe Judge from the Giants. Uh, I know they've had a lot of injuries, but Daniel Jones is having a career year and they still can't win games. You know, it's this has been a problem here for a while with Joe Judge. Obviously, you know, he's a special teams guy. It's, it's not really his job to scheme up Kadarius Tony. But if you're the head coach of an NFL team, you have to become that guy, you know, and he just hasn't. You can't leave it up to Jason Garrett. Yeah, Jason Garrett's the bigger problem there. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy, Mike Zimmer from the Vikings, bailed out by the kicker a couple times. They've been competitive, but uh, I think Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins might be done after this year. Yeah, that's a weird situation. I feel like they're mm-hmm. a team that was kind of just like meh and yeah. just see how the season went and, and go from there. But mm-hmm. I, that job seems interesting to me right now. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And finally, Brian Flores from Miami. Um, it's just been a mess this year. You know, when your quarterback gets hurt, it's always tough. Uh, you can't always blame the head coach. But the quarterback that got hurt wasn't getting the job done either. Um, I could easily see Brian Flores going back to uh, New England, having him, Patricia, and Bilicek up there four in the morning, you know, in the uh, a laser light room, just scheming up plays that will destroy the league. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a big Brian Flores fan. I think if he were to be let go, I think that's a guy I'd I'd look to target if I were another team mm. looking for a head coach. Yeah, it could be. Uh, do you have any more guys? Because I have one. Uh, uh, I have one too. Go ahead. Uh, oh. Frank Reich, I think it is my guy. It's kind of mm. on the hot seat. 
Uh, that Colts team has a very good roster, and they're just finding ways to lose games week in, week out. I know they've had a tough schedule, but if they go on on this winning percentage, uh, he's going to be out of here. Mm. Uh, I'm Kyle Shanahan's name in the ring. I think the Niners, coming into the season, they were very much a playoff hopeful, if not a possible Super Bowl contender. And right now, Kyle Shanahan is finding ways to lose them games, in my opinion. I don't think he will be fired, most because he hasn't played Trey Lance, which is almost his safety. I think if Trey Lance was the one playing and he wasn't winning, then you might see a more likely firing. But I think they're going to give him at least one full year with Trey Lance, assuming that's next year. You know, see how that goes. But Shanahan, I mean, he came in as a great offensive coordinator. Right now, the offensive play calling is not great. He's a horrible clock manager. He's been that way since the very beginning. And the defense is really what's keeping the team in this game right now. I think Shanahan, two years from now, goes to Washington when Rivera retires. Mm, Reclaims the Shanahan name in Maryland. And then gets his quarterback. <laughs> because, or do they draft the quarterback this year? I don't know. That's, that's for another day. That's for <laughs> something in January or February. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, do you uh, want to cut it off right now? I could run minutes. through. It's, that's what I was going to do anyways. Okay. You're just going to have to cut out a couple parts then. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I just want to run through some injuries here. It was a pretty bad week for injuries this week. Um, Clyde edwards Lair is out with the knee injury. Uh, he's on IR. That's tough. Uh, Joe Burrow taken to the hospital after his game with a throat contusion or possible throat contusion. I don't know if that's been ruled yet. Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Look like a horrible season-ending ankle injury, but it seems like he's going to be fine. Interesting, Eventually. because if you saw that picture, uh, that was pretty disgusting. It looked uh, broken. Yeah. yeah. Also in that game, Daniel Jones carted off with a concussion. Disgusting. He was wobbling. Yeah, that one yeah. sucked to watch. Cleveland Browns, Denzel Ward from a first-round pick, goes down, doesn't come back into the game. Uh, Taysom Hill with a concussion for New Orleans. Levante David out with a high ankle sprain with Tampa. That could be a big one. Uh, and there's one more. Where is it? Damian Harris, New England, with a rib injury. Left the game early. All right, that's it for the injuries. Uh, let's do some college football. All right, the first college game I want to talk about is going to be Oklahoma with a 55-48 to 48 win at Texas. I had this game on at work. I was going through all sorts of emotions because I picked <laughs> Texas. Um, big story here was Casey Thompson, Texas quarterback, off to a great start. Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma quarterback, not a great start. Freshman Caleb Williams comes in for Oklahoma, gets the job done with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's some crazy stuff right there, boys. Yeah, crazy game. Kennedy Brooks game winning touchdown with just a few seconds left on the clock. Uh, and I saw a clip of Spencer Rattler uh, instead of so I don't know if it's really true because the media mm -hmm. can skew everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was him walking off of the field instead of going to go celebrate with his teammates after the game. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see how true that is. But I NFL stock is it's through the floor. Right I now. never uh, bought any of it either. I was so surprised that he was the Heisman favorite coming in this year. I know I liked Spencer Rattler his his freshman year when he came in for uh, Jalen Hurts or whatever it was mm -hmm. in the national championship game. But since then, I mean, I'm not buying it. All right. Well, 
we'll keep an eye on his uh, draft stock. That's what we do here. <laughs> I'll be in with a, a mock draft probably next week. I'll have one. Uh, but the next game I want to talk about, Ole Miss gets the win against Arkansas 52-51 in the deep south. Matt Corral, another crazy game. Um, he didn't have to do much uh, passing the ball, 300 yards, two touchdowns. But he gets That's a go-ahead. Well, for, for you know, for his offense that goes super fast, man. Yeah, true. Um, he gets the go-ahead touchdown with a minute left, 68 yards. I look away. Again, I'm at work. I couldn't uh, – you know, keep my 100% focus on the game. Mm. Uh, I tried to, though. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, touchdown with a minute left. And then I look up, and Arkansas is going for two for the win. They scored with no time remaining. They don't get it. Ole Miss pulls it out. Crazy shootout game. Yeah. And uh, speaking of draft stocks, Matt Corral shooting up, man. Another game that it was <laughs> – Three against four. I'll just I'll just get into it. Iowa, number three in the nation, beats Penn State, number four in the nation, 23 to 20. Kind of a, a snooze fest here. Clifford from Penn State didn't play very good. It was all about defense. And Penn State's moving on. You know, I don't think either of these teams are going to be there in the end. But we have to pay attention just because they're undefeated. Ohio State's not. You know, so they sure. have the edge for a possible conference championship game as of right now. Yeah, and uh, with those two teams being ranked so high, uh, if Iowa goes up against uh, Ohio State in the Big 12 championship game, that win for Ohio State is going to mean so much more in in the rankings, even though it probably shouldn't have uh, just because Iowa is high ranking because Ohio State is good for college football to have in the playoffs. All right. The last game I want to talk about it, I have to. All right, Boise State gets the win over BYU, 26-17, to 17, on the road against the number 10 team in the nation. Uh, and again, BYU probably shouldn't have been there. They probably shouldn't have. But it's cool to see Boise, a team who's been rebuilding for the past three years now, uh, my favorite team, and finally gets a big win. And Bachmeyer again, was not good. Uh, a lot of our NFL guys were hurt, or you know, possible NFL prospects were hurt. Um, but Khalil Shakir had some clutch catches at the end. Possible NFL guy. Another one. Uh, so I'm happy for the Broncos. Now, Heisman Watch. Let's get into the Heisman Watch for week seven. My favorite segment. Here we go. I got an honorable mention this week. It's Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Hell the quarterback. yeah. Um, Should be higher. 260 yards, three touchdowns against Temple. You know, this is a guy who probably should be higher. But they he doesn't really they don't use him that much because he... Yeah. They're blowing the shit out of everybody. They are. And, uh, you know, he hasn't had to have that six-touchdown game. And maybe we'll see here uh, if they get closer to playoff contention mm-hmm. him step his game up. But right now, you know, Cincinnati's not concerned about the Heisman. They're not concerned about his draft stock. They're concerned about winning games. So that's why he's lower. Uh, number five, big stock up for C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, 400 yards, five touchdowns against Maryland. This guy's back. Even his uh, his Vegas odds have shot up to like number three. And uh, I'm not surprised. I don't think Ohio State's done. Like we were talking about, I think they'll be in that Big 12, sorry, Big 10 championship game. Mm-hmm. Get the job done. Number four, it's going to be Texas running back, Bijan Robinson. Uh, drops down one spot just because he was outplayed by somebody else. We'll get there. 140 yards against Oklahoma. And uh, 
the Bijan for Heisen watch is starting to uh, drift away slowly, but the numbers are so great still. He stays at number four. Yeah, he'll make 11 in the NFL for sure. Number three, Michigan State running back, Kenneth Walker, 200 so plus yards against Rutgers. He has blown every other Division One running back out of the water this year. And uh, Michigan State is undefeated for a reason. It's the run game. Uh, interesting to see Michigan State finally start playing some uh, top, top teams, see if Kenneth Walker can uh, carry the load. Mm-hmm. And my top two guys are not going to change. I've Corral, number two, Bryce Young, number one. Um, Bryce Young did lose that game against Texas A&M, but he's still got the numbers. He's still on, as of right now, they're not the best team in the nation, but I think it's safe to say Alabama will be back. Um, and it's it's these guys – Heisman to lose unless CJ Stroud does something ridiculous. It's their Heisman to lose. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And if we get an SEC, well, we should get an SEC yeah. championship game of Alabama versus Georgia. Mm. And if we see Bryce Young versus that defense that they got down there in Georgia, if they, if he does good against that, that will yeah. seal it. And if he does bad, just like everybody else, I think that could seal it for Matt Corral, mm-hmm. depending on how they, if he doesn't fall off on the rest but of the But both of these obviously. guys have been so efficient this year. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't think it's even close unless, you know, those guys start to struggle and Kenneth Walker keeps putting up 200 yards a game. Yeah. Uh, when Do you know when the playoff poll actually starts? I believe it's like week, week eight. I think it has really? been week eight for the past couple so that of That could be next week. Uh, but we're going to go over the AP poll in the meantime before we get that mm-hmm. uh, playoff poll in a few weeks or a week, whatever it is. Uh, starting with 25, we have Texas uh, dropping a few spots, obviously, after their loss in the Red River game. San Shoot Diego out. State at 24, SMU at 23, NC State at 22, A&M back into the rankings after their big win against uh, Alabama. I think they should have been higher than 21, though. Uh, Florida stays the same at 20. BYU goes down nine spots to 19. Arizona State goes up four spots after the win against Stanford to 18. Arkansas down a few spots to 17. Wake Forest up a few spots to 16. Coastal Carolina and Notre Dame stay the same at 15 and 14. Ole Miss up four spots to 13. Oklahoma State stays at 12. Kentucky shooting up the rankings a little bit to number uh, 11 as they go up five spots. Uh, Michigan State at 10. Oregon at nine, Michigan at eight, Penn State at seven, Ohio State at six. Alabama loses their number one ranking, obviously, and goes down to number five. I wish they would have moved down more than number five. Uh, Oklahoma at four, Cincinnati at three, Iowa at number two, and we have a new number one Mm -hmm. as Georgia finally has climbed the mountain. That team is so fun to watch that but they, they got still haven't figured out the quarterback position. Doesn't matter, man. If since you Aaron Murray allow, and Justin Fields left. If you allow four points a game or how, how many ever yeah. points that they do, it, it doesn't <laughs> even matter. You just need to be somewhat decent and you're completely fine. All right. That's going to wrap right. up halftime. Yeah. On to the second half here. And it's going to be a fun second half. We're going to play contender or pretender to start. We have four different teams. And the first one is going to be the Bengals. They've been off mm-hmm. to a hot start this year. They played a close game against a very good Packers team. Burroughs look good. Jamar Chase has looked like an offensive rookie of the year candidate so far. Contender or pretender for Cincinnati? 
Cincinnati is a contender. Burrow is amazing. Him and Chase are going to be throwing touchdown passes for years to come. The one issue is Burrow still getting hits. You know, I'm uh, I'm officially on board with the Jamar Chase pick, uh, but he still needs protection. Uh, the defense, though, they're top 10 right now. Uh, the front seven has been great, too, even without uh, Carl Lawson. And uh, I think they're going to have a shot at the division there. I'm also going to go with contender for the Bengals. We're talking about playoffs, right? Correct? Mm. Or just, okay. Anyway, still going with contender for the Bengals. I like Skyler. Jamar Chase has, you know, shown me enough to where they probably, I don't know if they made the right pick. I, I, I still would have liked them to protect Burrow, but Jamar Chase is damn good. He's Burrow's favorite receiver, and that's something, you know, you, you don't find with every It could take years to find that guy, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that they already got it, Burrow's in his second year, that's going to be a special connection for many, many years to come. They build up that offensive line in the offseason. You know, Mixon becomes even better. Mixon's been great this year. Didn't get a lot of carries last week. You protect Burrow. Burrow's going to be amazing. Love him. And maybe get one or two more players on that defense. That's going to be a scary good team, you know, within possibly a year or two. And that's, that's way ahead of the timeline I had for them going into the season. So, Yeah. The AFC North is, is trending in positives for a lot of the teams and then down for the Steelers. I think the Steelers are kind of the, the team at the bottom here in that division, mm-hmm. but I like what the Bengals have done this year. I like uh, how Joe Burrow's developed in his second year, coming back from that injury. Jamar Chase has a good chance to break uh, like Justin Jefferson's records from last year for rookie receivers. Uh, he's on an incredible touchdown pace right now. And with how their schedule plays, they have games against the Lions, the, the Jets, uh, and then a whole bunch of divisional games. Uh, I think they have a good chance to, to really write their own destiny here. And uh, they can be a 10-11 win team if they, if they put – their mind and their heart. They stay too, healthy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and stay mixing healthy, and Burrow healthy. Yeah, true. And Jesse Bates, because he's damn good. Logan Wilson. Next yes. up, uh, let's talk about one of the teams that the Bengals lost to, and that's mm. the Bears. Uh, they went into Las Vegas, obviously, and got the dub there. They sit at three and two right now. Justin Fields has been all right, I guess you mm. could say that, but he's winning games for them, contenders or pretenders for the Bears. The Bears are contenders, okay? They have an elite defense. It is going to be a rough year for Fields. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to end up being – I don't want to – I don't think he's a bust. I don't. But I think it's going to be disappointing for Chicago that they traded up for a guy that uh, didn't turn out like a Herbert Burrow type guy. Um, I just – I trust this team more than, you know, Washington, Carolina, New Orleans. And even if they uh, – don't play as well, have the key wins that some of the other teams might have. I think it'll be easier with the division they're in. I didn't get a chance to watch the Raiders bears game, but I, I'm pretty sure they put up a bunch of running yards. I know Williams had around 60 and I think Herbert, I don't know how many he had, but the run, the run attack is good. They're missing Montgomery, but the running game's good to me. This is can fields take one more step. There's no denying the defense. Cleo Mack, a bunch of other good guys on that side of the ball. But I think Fields is going to need to take one step further for this team to be a true playoff contender, and I haven't seen it yet. So for right now, I'm going to say no. But I think with a little more you know, seasoning, 
Herbert, I'm not Herbert, excuse me, Fields can lead this team to a wild card spot. In the meantime, before I say what I'm about to say about the Bears, the Braves have advanced to the NLCS. That makes my World Series prediction invalid on both sides now as I had the Rays versus the Brewers. Who are we rooting uh, for now? <laughs> we are rooting for Milwaukee. I'm rooting for the Braves. Uh, we'll see here. Well, it depends what happens in the Dodgers-Giants game that's just started uh, in L.A. That's Walker Buehler versus Anthony Desclafani, I believe, and that's going to be a fun matchup. We're not going to be able to talk too much about that one. But back to the Bears. We'll talk about baseball later on in the episode. Uh, the Bears... I want to say our pretenders. I think that game against the Raiders, the Raiders played really, really bad. I, that's the worst I've seen anything played by them. They just didn't get into their, their right mindset or whatever it was with that whole John Gruden situation. And so I think that's just a relapsed game for them. I think they'll be fine. Uh, and the bears have a tough schedule. I mean, they, they play the Packers this week. They're going to have to play them another time, obviously later in the season they play the Bucks the week after that. They play the Niners, Steelers, Ravens, Cardinals, Seahawks. I mean, there's a lot of tough games in that schedule uh, for the Bears. And so I think going against some of those defenses is going to be really, really tough for a rookie quarterback like Fields. And I like Fields a lot. I just don't think this is the year where it kind of all makes sense for the Bears. On to the Steelers, the team that has hasn't had a losing record in 15 years or however many years that it was well, yeah. contenders or pretenders for best Steelers. guys you might not like this but the Steelers are the biggest pretenders in nfl history <laughs> all right uh the offense is irrelevant against the pass rush um they have so many injuries big ben can't check the ball down to Najee 19 times a game and expect to uh, put up a lot of points. And uh, that's about it for Pittsburgh. Uh, we talked about Cincinnati. If Cincinnati is the third best team in the division, there's a huge drop off. Yeah. Steelers are pretending there's their only chance is they find the fountain of youth and use it on big Ben because he's, he's not the answer this year. They, they don't have enough from him to be able to replicate the passing attack that they had last year. The run game has gotten better. Najee's going to be a very good player. No Juju, I don't think hurts them as much as people think. He's a very good blocker, good possession receiver, but they still have Claypool. And Deontay Johnson's probably the best of that. I don't know if I'd call it a three-headed monster, but those top three guys. The defense is still legit, but I don't think Big Ben, as well as that poor offensive line, is going to be able to do enough for Najee and company to put up the points needed to win games. Steelers are pretenders. I... With 17 games this year and can't finish 500, I I think an eight and nine finish is very likely. The so the AFC North and the AFC West are the two best divisions in the AFC. I think that's pretty much bold. that's not bold. I think that's very <laughs> very factual right now. And those two divisions actually play each other this year, so we're going to see every single matchup that we could possibly see between those two divisions. And that makes the Steelers' schedule tough. And, and they haven't played well against tough teams so far. I know they just they beat the Broncos and they beat the Bills week one. But I think we can all say successfully that that Bills game was the biggest fluke game out of any game in the NFL this year. Uh, and so the Steelers are pretenders. Big Ben is, is not good anymore. He can't throw the ball deep. They lost Juju for the season, and that was Big Ben's main guy to throw short to. So, I mean – 
Najee for 25 receptions a game now instead of 19. Uh, and so I, I just don't see it with this team and the Steelers this year. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. All right. They need a new quarterback. And lastly, we're going to do the Saints. No Drew Brees this year, obviously, after he retired. Jameis Winston taking over, and they sit at 3-2 and two right now. Pretenders? Yeah. The Saints are pretenders. Um, the defense is good statistically, but they're very streaky. Um, I don't like Jameis. And just to sum up the Saints this year, just go back and watch the Giants game. That's what I think about them. You know, they couldn't get to the quarterback. They couldn't get the stops on third down, and they couldn't throw the ball downfield. I know Jameis got the Hail Mary last week, but it's just uh, it's weird for the Saints right now. I think the Saints are pretenders as well. I think the Saints are a decent team, but with all the other, I mean, the NFC West, there's loads of talented teams that division. They're not going to be able to compete with the Bucks in their own division. I think there's going to be a couple other teams that can sneak into playoff spots ahead of them. Jameis Winston isn't quite consistent enough for my liking. I like to see him get the ball to Kamara a little bit more, but it just Michael Thomas could push that team into a potential, you know, fighting for a playoff spot if he can return to uh, ultimate slant boy form from, you know, 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, when he was dominating the league and arguably was the best receiver during that time. However, last year when he's healthy, we didn't quite see that form of him. Maybe Jameis kind of locked that because Drew Brees, he looked old last year. I think that's about the Saints' only chance. So for right now, I have them as pretenders with, like the Bears, a possibility of one guy maybe pushing them into that contender category. The Saints, I I feel like for them to be a contender, they have to be better than four teams or better than two out of these four teams, the Panthers, the Bears, the Niners, and the Seahawks. And with Russell Wilson, if he's out six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, then yes, they're better than the Seahawks. I think they're already better than the Bears. I think they are very close to Carolina. And I think the same thing with the Niners. And so I'll go, I, I, I say the Saints are contenders this year. I think they're, they have a good chance to get that seven spot. Uh, Michael Thomas obviously hasn't been back yet. Kamara hasn't really been in full swing yet. We haven't seen the same impact that uh, he's had in previous years. Uh, as Trey Turner sends a ball into the gap, that might get the Dodgers on the board. Uh, but back to it, the Saints, I, I think they're contenders. I don't think they're legitimate, like big NFC contenders, but six, seven seed, sure. I, I see it happening. All right. Now on to the four and one teams in the NFL. Let me pull mm-hmm. them up for you real quick. And we're going to talk about which four and one team is least likely to make the playoffs. And this is a good question because there's a lot of, all the four and one teams right now seem very legit to me. So we have the bills. We have the Ravens. We have the chargers. We have the Cowboys. We have the Packers, the Buccaneers and the Rams. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think this is an upper second tier type team. I talked about my tier list last week, pretty much uh, Tampa, Buffalo, Kansas city is tier one. Uh, probably Kansas City tier two now, but everyone else is in tier two. Um, but their division is really wild. I don't, th- you know, think there's a team with a better roster, but you never know what happens in the NFC East. Again, it's it's unfair to say, you know, oh well, if they get two guys hurt, then uh, they'll be wrecked because that could happen to any team. But I feel like if any team 
was to be cursed with a bunch of random injuries to key players, it would be Dallas. And that's why I'm picking Dallas. I think the Cowboys have a very clear shot at that division, assuming everyone stays healthy. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. Play a very close game last night. We saw Lamar's, like Kyle said earlier, best game of his career. Played a very close game against the Raiders. They, they've had a season full of close games. Lamar's been very good the past couple of weeks, but he's been the whole offense. I think that's pretty safe to say. I mean, he has more offensive yards than, I believe, like 15 NFL teams just on his own. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's sustainable. If anyone could do it, Lamar, given his running and passing ability. The ground game hasn't really been there besides Lamar. And the defense, I think those those missing cornerbacks are going to come bite them a little bit uh, down the road. Peters, uh, Jimmy Smith, I believe, was the other one out, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And they're in a good division. I think the Bengals, you know, if they keep things going, they could be a team that overtakes the Ravens. And the Browns are a very solid football team. Not to say I don't think the Ravens aren't a good team. I just think circumstantial-wise with the division and the one-man show on offense – that could be the four and one team you're looking at. So all these teams here, I think it's going to take a good amount of things for, for these teams to not make the playoffs. I think they're all legit. I think if everything stays healthy, all these teams make the playoffs. So that takes me to who would have the worst team if their quarterback got hurt. I think the Cowboys would be fine because their division I think the Packers would be decently fine because of we don't know what we have in, in Jordan Love. I know who you're going to say. Uh, the Buccaneers would be interesting because of Kyle Trask, but who knows how that goes. Rams, who the fuck knows, but their sec- the rest of their team is extremely, extremely good. So they would so still have a good chance to make it, I feel like. The Bills. Mitch. That's very interesting uh, with Mitch Trubisky, but I don't think they'd be a terrible team. I think they'd still win the division if Allen was to be out for the year. And then we get to the Ravens and the Chargers. The Ravens are terrible if there's no Lamar Jackson. Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson does everything for that team. So I'd say them. And then there's also Justin Herbert and the Chargers because there's nobody that can throw the balls to Mike Williams like Justin Herbert has unless you have Patrick Mahomes. And Easton or Stick Smith. or whoever their backup is is not is not Patrick Mahomes. And so if Herbert goes down at any point this year, I think the Chargers are screwed with how good that division is. The Chiefs aren't going to be gone for long. I think the Raiders will be decently fine. The Broncos are are still a team that is very uh, can compet- win competitive and can pretty much beat anybody, but also lose to anybody in the league. So I'll go with those two teams, the Chargers and the Ravens. It's interesting hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you, all those teams are good. Yeah. So I had to go with the one option that would make a team bad, losing your quarterback. Mm. All right. On to, I think this is probably our fun, our most fun part of the show where we have our top five MVP guys, top three defensive player of the year, and top three rookie of the year. Let's uh, you, you guys want to start with rookie of the year? Sure. Or MVP. All right, let's let's do rookie of the year. All right. First up, do you guys have any honorable mentions? I do. I have uh, JOK, Arusu Karamoa. He got hurt again badly uh, last week, which is it drops a stock because he didn't have another crazy game, and some mm-hmm. other guys did. Uh, but keep an eye out for him. 
Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. would be in my honorable mention. I believe I had about one last time. Hasn't been quite as good the past couple weeks, but his, he was so good early in the year. I'll, I'll put him as my honorable mention. I do not have an honorable mention, so I'm just going to right. three. All right, I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau from the Bills. First-round edge rusher. He's been solid getting to the quarterback. He got a Patty Mahomes on Sunday night. Fast dude. Uh, I have Micah Parsons. Uh, I forget who mentioned earlier. Cowboys have had a lack of pass rush. Parsons been really the only guy I've seen who's been able to sustain some of that. Played good as a linebacker for a couple games. I don't know if he has the stats to back it up, but I've liked what I've seen from him, so I'm having number three. Parsons is good. I think he'd be my honorable mention if I had one, but I'm going to go Greg Rousseau as well. Not only did he get to the quarterback, he also picked off Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. with that incredible play where he stuck up his arm and patted the ball in the air and then picked it off. Uh, and the bills are amazing. I mean, Greg Rousseau, he was a top prospect for a reason, fell in the draft for whatever reason it was. Uh, but he's a beast and he's number three for me on to number two. All right. Number two, I'm going with Jason Adafe. Oh, way. edge rusher. You talk about fast edge rushers. This guy's even faster for Baltimore. Uh, huge playmaker this year, forced fumbles, sacks, tipping balls. Another first rounder. Uh, number two, I'm going to have Najee Harris. He was a threat early in the season out of the backfield receiving, put together a hundred yard rushing game this past week. I'm not sure if that's his first one, but I mean, he, he he's the guy we all expected him to be. Get him a good O-line, better quarterback play. He's going to be a future pro bowler, maybe all pro. I too went with Najee at two. He's been a beast this year. He's been everything that the Steelers have wanted. And rookie of the year at the moment, Skyler, who is Yeah, it? I don't think it's that big of a question here. I'm going with Jamar Chase. He's completely turned around Joe Burrow's, uh, you know, outlook of mm-hmm. the National Football League offense. He's been so good for him. That safety blanket. Yeah, I have Jamar Chase is number one as well. Two games with over 100 yards, uh, 100 receiving yards. Five touchdowns on the year, like you mentioned earlier, and Skyler just said, a guy for Joe Burrow. It's going to be his guy moving forward. Do it to look forward to for next 10 plus years because those two are going to be special. It's very weird to say that the rookie of the year is a terrible the, pick. The, the, <laughs> I, right now, the rookie of the year still might have not been the, the best pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I too am going with Jamar Chase. He's been amazing. For Joe Burrow, I mean, he's one of the league's already best deep threats in the league. He has a whole bunch of plays of over 40 yards. And for that, I mean, he's he's my rookie of the year. I already talked about him possibly being a guy to break Justin Jefferson's rookie records that he broke last year. Uh, and so there's there's that. On mm-hmm. to defensive player of the year. We upped it from instead of one to three guys. Does anybody else have uh, honorable mentions for that one? I do not. Uh, both Bosa brothers. That's, I mean, yeah. 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 Solid. All right. On to number three. I agree. All right. Uh, my number three is going to be Aaron Donald. Hasn't been leading in any particular stat, but when you're getting double teamed and still in the top 10 in every single defensive category, you're going to get mentioned and not just honorably at the three spot. <laughs> I too went with Aaron Donald at threes, despite maybe not the stats. Yeah. He's he's going to be there in the end. I can almost guarantee he's going to get his numbers. So even though he doesn't have the stats, like even the Bosa do, still have him ahead. 
Number three, for me, I ended up going with the best safety in football so far this year. That's Micah Hyde. He's been Mm -hmm. super, super good for the Bills this year. Has three picks, uh, a sack already this year. His stats are are up there. I decided to go with him over Donald for this one. Mm -hmm. On to number two. All right, number two, I'm going with Trayvon Diggs, corner from Dallas. Uh, Has been horrible in man coverage, like we said, but when you're on pace to break NFL records, you got to be – up here in the depoy rankings at number two i have miles garrett seven sacks on the year four and a half coming versus the bears and that justin fields debut i don't know if you guys saw the picture of him with not wearing sleeves for the first time but that is a monster of a human and i mean his his stats back that up so i don't think there's much to say about him yeah i swung crazy man he even swung a helmet at Miles Rudolph once mm. or Mason Rudolph, not Mason. Miles Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am also going with Miles Garrett at two. Brett said the stats. He's been amazing for the Browns this year. Uh, and he, if he keeps this up, but I think he might be able to. Take oh, sorry. Digs. All good. And number one, Skyler, I think I know who it is. Yeah, it has for me. It's got to be Miles Garrett because he's been the most unstoppable force on defense this year, at least. And, uh, the pass rusher gets the nod for me over Diggs. Number one, I am going to go with Diggs. I, I think Miles Garrett is the better player, and I actually think he's been more impactful on the game just because of what we mentioned earlier, you know, the yards Diggs allowed in man coverage. But when you have six interceptions through five games and you're producing turnovers at that rate, you can't argue with that. I expect that to slow down, and I expect Miles Garrett to catch up in this race as well as some of the other guys I mentioned behind. But, you know, Six interceptions in five games. You, you can't. There's nothing more than that. It's incredible. Yeah, I feel like when you have forced more turnovers than a good amount of NFL teams, I think Trayvon Diggs definitely has to be the guy here. I know he's been shitty in coverage, but that's part of his game. It, it's just play the it's ball no illusion. matter what. <laughs> just play for the ball. And if you're forcing turnovers the way that he is, it doesn't really matter, as I said earlier. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> That was beautiful, Skyler. But yeah, Trayvon Diggs, defensive player of the year. All right. We did Depoy. We did Rookie of the Year. On to the big award. Most valuable player of the year. We're going to give our top five for this one. Any honorable mentions? No. I don't have any for this one. Well, I'll give Derek Carr an honorable mention. He missed missed my top five, so. All right. I'll, I'll throw Stafford in. Mine Stafford just outside as well as Carr, but those two, both those guys did not make my top five. Uh, Skyler, all right, number five, five, going with Kyler Murray. Um, not a great game against San Francisco, but he's five and oh, he's not turning the ball over like crazy, like he has in the past. Um, and he's he's using all of his weapons, you know, it's it's weird to say that's one of his strong suits, but uh, you'd be surprised how many times uh, someone like Zach Wilson throws the ball to Corey Davis every single freaking snap. Uh, so good for Kyler. I also have Kyler number five. Number four and five was a bit difficult for me to decipher, but just based off last week's performance, Murray, he did get a little banged up. So I'm going to attribute some of San Francisco's success uh, against him to that. Nick Bosa gave him a little shoulder stinger or something, but I mean, when you're the quarterback of an undefeated team, not turning the ball over, hasn't even started running like we know he can yet, which I I believe will come into play later in the season. I think they're kind of saving that at this point almost. 
but Kyler Murray's still been incredible all year. Number five, I'm still in very tough debate in this. Uh, I'm gonna go Brady. I'll, I'll say I'll say Brady. Uh, I think Brady obviously has been really good, but the other people on his team are also really really good as well. So I think that's what makes him at the bottom half of this list. Uh, yeah, that sums up his entire insane. career, Kyla. <laughs> uh, but he's been good. Obviously, he has the most yards in the NFL and he's number five for me on to number four. All right. Number four, I'm going with miles Garrett. Um, like I said earlier, I think he's been the most unstoppable force on the defense this year. And uh, that deserves some uh, top five MVP votes. I left defensive players off my list just because as good as I think miles Garrett is, it's just not a defensive award. Unfortunately, I think they should get more consideration, but number four, I have Josh Allen. Last two weeks has been absolutely incredible. Hurdled uh, Chiefs defenders, good in the running game, better throwing the ball last two weeks. I know, especially two weeks ago, I forget who the opponent was, but when they put up 40 nothing Texans, I believe that was two weeks ago. But there's no way I should, I should probably move him off this list. But Josh Allen, number four. There's a lot of tough guy, uh, tough decisions here at the top. I feel like uh, number four for me though is going to be Lamar Jackson. He's been absolutely amazing the last few weeks. Uh, had a slightly slow start to the season, but I mean, he's in full swing now. Best game of his career last week. And that's why he's not a little bit higher because I didn't want to do uh, like more of recency bias with that. But number four, Lamar. Right. On to number three. Number three originally had King Henry. Uh, I'm changing that now to Josh Allen. I'm sorry, Bills fans. I forgot about him. But uh, this is the definition of the most valuable player, right? Uh, without Josh Allen, like kind of like Kyle was saying, this team would be uh, a decent defensive team, kind of like how the Bears would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Josh Allen, he's been really <laughs> and they have the, the Bears quarterback and Mitch yeah. Trubisky if there's no Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, so it would be the Bears. Uh, I'm gonna Skyler just apologize to Buff. I'm gonna po- apologize to Baltimore. I forgot about Lamar Jackson. I think I'd probably have him actually above Kyler Murray in that five spot. I'll put Kyler Murray in six, just not quite the stats, even though he's been you know, on the best team in football so far, record wise. Number three, I have Derrick Henry, one man wrecking crew. Ryan Tano hasn't been as good as he was the past couple of years. Derrick Henry's picked up that slack and then some three touchdowns last week against Jacksonville. Poor Jacksonville. Whenever they see Derrick Henry, they just run away from him. It's kind of pitiful, but that's the only non-quarterback. Hey, it happens I when they see Chris Ivory, five. too. Shut yeah, up. That, of course, Chris <laughs> Ivory. All right. Number three for me is going to be Josh Allen. Uh, he would have been one or two on this list if he had to do more in games. I feel mm-hmm. like the Bills, in all facets right now, have been the best team in football. They've just been killing everybody. So if I see, I know it's not really his fault that they're not playing close games. Uh, but I mean, it is kind of his fault game, that they blew out Kansas I, City. I mean, I, I sure <laughs> in, in a way, sure, but that's not really what I meant by that. Uh, if they were playing closer games and he had to be coming up big in big situations, maybe would have been higher on this list. But he's been really, really good. So with that being said, he's number three on to number two. All right. My number two is going to be Brady. Uh, he might not, uh, you know, have to do much these days because of how great the talent is, but he's still swinging the ball. You know, he's has the first time in his career. He's done 
what was it, 500, 400 yards, five touchdowns, and he's 44? Mm-hmm. Number two, nod. Number two, I'm going Justin Herbert. Uh, just mentioned it's important to be, as a quarterback, it's important to be good late in games. Justin Herbert has been exactly that. Had a couple clutch drives against Raiders last week. He was clutched literally the whole second half against the Browns. It seems like every time he got the ball, he was leading a touchdown or at least a scoring drive. He's been he's been amazing. He's turned Mike Williams into I mean Mike Williams has done a lot of it himself as well, but Mike Williams is legit number one alongside their other number one, Keenan Allen. Eckler's been great in the receiving game. Herbert's making tough throws using tight ends and red zones. I I love Justin Herbert. I think if I were to take any of the quarterbacks taken from the last two drafts to build a franchise around right now would be Herbert. And I have him at number two. I went with Herbert as two as well. I think he's been one of the best players in the NFL this year, and he's coming through in every single clutch situation. Uh, Close games to get the job done. They played a close game against Washington to start the year. They got the job done. Dallas was kind of a weird game. I'm going to take that one off of it, though. Uh, Obviously, big situations against Kansas City. Uh, Didn't really have too many big situations against the Raiders, but, I mean, every single time that they were in a big situation, he made the play. And then also against Cleveland, I think he did the exact same thing, where he made the play when he needed to, and he made some great, great throws. And with that being said, he's at my number two, and now our MVPs. All right, my MVP for the first quarter of the season, plus a game, is Justin Herbert. He's been the most outstanding player this year. Rookie head coach, new scheme. Um, it just uh, Mike Williams has been great, but other than that, so much confusion around him, and he just doesn't care. He's been so great. And number one, have a guy who's won the award multiple times, Tom Brady, 44 years old, leads the league in passing yards. Yes, he has a bunch of weapons around him. I get that. But you still got to get the ball to him. A lot of these guys have great weapons around him, whether it's Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen. Brady obviously might have a couple more, but he doesn't even I – mean, he's it's Tom Brady. I don't really want to get into it. That's, that's all yeah. I got to say. <laughs> it is definitely Tom. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that you guys had very low on your list. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. I think the Cardinals have been – mainly good because of his success so far this year. I know he turned over the ball a lot in in the early part of the season, but in the last three games, he only has one uh, interception. I'm not sure about the fumbles. I don't know if he has any fumbles in the last few games, Uh, but he's been really, really good for the Cardinals. And that's why they're five and no, and he didn't play well against the Niners. He, he straight up didn't. Uh, It's partially against the, because of the Niners defense, but I mean, he still got the job done. And if you're able to win games when you don't play the best and you play turnover free football, that is what gets you MVP status for me. I was trying to figure out who it was for you. I didn't realize you left Kyler. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is he going with? Like, I, I, a left tackle? I got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alex Leatherwood. No, <laughs> cause I heard you guys say Kyler at the beginning. I was like, shit, did I put him too high? And I was like, wait, no, they're five and zero. They're the yeah. Cardinals. They're, this I, this is why they're five and zero. There's a lot of great think, quarterbacks. You know, I think you could more than five of like, them. Like looking back, I, I I put Lamar in my top five. Looking back, I have Kyler at six, but I I could totally understand the argument to put Kyler at one. I think the the six guys we mentioned. I think we all have the same. You know, five or six. I think 
any order you put them could be argued for in a legitimate way. So it's just I, yeah, Burrow's just the odd man out in this situation. I think we're we're on par though with the with the others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, definitely have a case for every every single person uh, in the top five or six as far as MVP voting for to be that number one guy and a very like legitimate case. I know it's only week five, so things will change. Uh, well, I mean, I hope we have a spot where it's like a legitimate three-person race at the end of the year on who is going to be rather than just a one-person race, how it's been maybe the last few years. But, I mean, it's been a good year for football. That's for sure. Now on to baseball. Uh, ALCS was set for us today as the Red Sox beat the Rays last night uh, to advance the ALCS. And then the Houston Astros destroyed the White Sox today to advance to the ALCS. And so we have that matchup set. We have the Red Sox and the Astros. Uh, that was the same, same thing that we saw in 2018, I believe it was. Uh, maybe, yeah, 2018, uh, when mm-hmm. the Red Sox won the World Series. Uh, Astros have been in the ALCS the last five years. How do you guys see this series playing out? And why do you think that team's going to win? I originally had Houston in the World Series, um, but I think Boston's got some wild card magic, man. Their lineup, one through nine, is on fire. Um, they got guys in the pen uh, who could be starters. They got starters who are coming out of the pen who, you know, guys like Nick Pavetta who saved the day, sacrificed his start to help get the win in extras. And they, I just realized they lost in extras, didn't they? Uh, which game? Oh, no, they, the, 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 no, I was Red, game three, Red right? Sox won. They won yeah, okay, game. thank you. I was going crazy for a second. That was the uh, ground rule double game, yeah. I believe. All right, so I'm going with Boston in a very high scoring series. This one, I, this is the exact opposite matchup that I had, so you know, I haven't really thought too much about this one, but. As much as it pains me to say, I think Skyler alluded to it earlier. No, he's going back when he said, but the Astros postseason experience and how their roster is built, I like more in this situation than the Red Sox. I, I, it pains me to say that just given how much I hate the Astros and would rather see and the Red Sox And that's why I changed win. my pick. I may be wrong, but that's... But I, those guys. <laughs> I, think I, I think I have to take the Astros. I mean, if you look at their lineup today, they put up 10 runs. You got Altuve, I think, with three hits. Uh, Bregman was good. Correa was good. I think the Yuli Gurriel was good. The only like guy, like one of their guys that wasn't good today was I believe Jordan Alvarez. But that lineup seems to come alive playoff time, whether they know what pitch is coming or not. So I don't think either pitching is particularly great, but I think the Astros bullpen edging out the Red Sox bullpen will be the difference because I think the starting pitching is very similar. I changed my mind. <laughs> I convinced you, Skyler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to see Dusty Baker in the World Series against his former team. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Too bad the Reds aren't in it. No. Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, Brett's point about the Astros is what was going to be my leading point. Whether they know the pitch is coming or not, whether they're cheating or not. The Astros don't hot. They know how to fucking hit, man. They, they they destroy the ball one through nine in their lineup. Whether it's Carlos Correa, who's going to be paid two hundred million dollars this next year. Whether it's Jordan Alvarez, who reminds me of Babe Ruth, some, or Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds, <laughs> the way how he hits balls sometimes. 
or whether it's Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers and Jose Siri and all these people we've never heard of before this year. They hit. And uh, that uh, I can't go against them. I mean, I hate them so much. But hopefully this is just their last hurrah and then they all break up. So with that being said, Red Sox have had some postseason magic on their side. But hopefully it continues. Astros in six or seven. All right. <laughs> you guys want to talk at all about the Braves, maybe? We'll we'll throw that in here a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of uh Moneyball replacing so, Acuna. That whole Acuna situation, me and Brett were talking about it a bit earlier, that they it just it doesn't make sense still. You lose your best player. I know they, they got a couple guys in the, the trade deadline. They basically revamped their whole outfield with Jock. Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall, but you lose your best player and you become a better team. Uh, and I know that's not indicative of uh, Acuna doing anything bad in the clubhouse or anything like that, but it just doesn't make sense. But now they're in the NLCS and now they're going to have a date with either the Dodgers or the Giants. And so do, do the Braves, can they take down the, these juggernauts, the 106, 107 win teams like the Giants or the Dodgers? You know, it's hard to say no because they wouldn't be here if it wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. But there's just – there's there's an ability gap um, with either of these teams, Dodgers or Giants. You know, neither of these teams give up very, money, very many runs. And Atlanta's been relying on the late-inning magic, which just doesn't really happen when you're facing the Dodgers or Giants, you know, unless they're playing each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm going to say no, whoever wins this. And I'm going to pick the Giants. I think uh, the deciding game five at home is huge for San Francisco. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Giants to uh, beat the Braves. Uh, my answer is no. But given the Dodgers are up 2 nothing right now, assuming they hold on to this yeah. lead, which I think will fluctuate. Um, we'll, we'll see how this – do we know what the game five starting pitching matchup would be? Should be Webb. Webb Urias. It should be Urias. Yeah. Unless Urias okay. comes out of the pen tonight. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think who I would take in that. I, th- I think it's really hard to bet against Logan Webb mm. right now. I think he's arguably been the best pitcher, at least in the National League. In the second Former half, quarterback the on Rock One Thunder. With the exception That's of Scherzer. Cool just got pulled to second inning. Um, so... I think whichever team wins that series beats the Braves. I guess we'll all just go with that. I'm not going to dive too much into a potential mm. game five or whatever happens tonight. Um, I, I think Skyler hit it. The, the gap in talent is just a little bit too much to overcome. I think the Do- Giants and Dodgers starting pitching is better. Uh, Charlie Morton's obviously postseason legend for like yeah. multiple teams now pitch great tonight. But I don't see the pitching staffs of, of the Braves competing with, you know, the pitching of the Giants or the Dodgers. And I think lineup-wise, even if Acuna was playing, I'd still give the edge to the other teams slightly, slightly, because I think the Braves lineup is very good and very deep. But I think the Braves' magic runs out. I think it would be, like, complete injustice if somehow – the Giants or the Dodgers don't make the World Series because mm-hmm. this this is both of their years. Like I, I know Giants weren't expecting this going in, but this was this was their years. Uh, once we saw in August and September how good these teams both are. 
So I'm going to go with no. I don't think the Braves can take them down, but I mean, I've proven wrong before. On to our <laughs> bets and let, let's get on out of here. It's been all a fun right. episode so far. It's been a long episode. Uh, last week, we all did really good on our a layups. Good week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, Lions plus seven versus Minnesota. That got the job done. Skyler had Tennessee minus four versus Jacksonville. And Brett had Green Bay minus three versus the Bengals. Does that it's actually technically a push? Yeah, it's a push. It, it was at three. That does it, uh, They had the uh, Crosby field goal to win it in overtime. My apologies for my premature green highlight. Well, it's a yellow. Well, it's, uh, it's a yellow. I, yeah. I guess it's. I don't really even know what happens. In that does, does that technically like if you bet on it? Does that technically cover? Because it was three. It doesn't I'm not cover. Sure how that works. It doesn't it's, cover. It's actually, I know that. It's a push, but it might just it might just stay the same. I I don't know. Whatever it is, we did good. Uh, we should start the Maxit Sports Parlay, man. How about that? Let's uh, on exactly. Uh, let's go to this week where I have Dallas minus four versus New England. Dallas has been good. New England. I don't really know why that line's so close. Uh, but Belichick. I'll go Dallas. All right, I'm going to go with the Bengals, minus three at Detroit. Obviously, um, what's his name? Sorry, Joe Burrow uh, with the injury in the hospital the other night. But um, Mixon's going to be healthier. He'll be used more. Detroit, man, uh, Dan Campbell, very inspirational guy. But uh, They deserve a win. Yeah. It just it just won't be against Cincinnati. I unfortunately picked last because those two were the most appealing games in my eyes, at least on the NFL schedule. So I know we've talked kind of bad about the Steelers today, but I'm going to take the Steelers to cover three and a half for Seattle. Geno Smith making his first start since 2017. I How many Mickey Mouse games does Pittsburgh get every year? <laughs> Come I don't on. know, but the Pittsburgh defense is still really good despite some of their injuries. I think it's going to be a tough game for Geno to come in, you know, first game back. I think that's. I think it's just a tough matchup. Pittsburgh is going to have to score some points, but they're facing a horrible Seattle defense, so I expect them to put up at least some numbers just with mm. the talent they have in the backfield and those two receivers. Ben just needs to, you know, not be absolutely horrible, and I think they should cover this game. True. All Ben needs to do is target Jamal Adams, and they should win that game. Mm. Exactly. On to the bold predictions last week. Uh, Buffalo beating Kansas City was mine. I didn't think it would be the landslide that it was, but I'm happy that it went that way because fuck you, Kansas City. Uh, Skyler had Texas over Oklahoma. That did not happen. Caleb Williams just had to come in. Yeah, true. And Brett had Chicago over Las Vegas. Unfortunately, that was right. Uh, On to this week. I have the Washington football team taking down Kansas City. this would be something, I don't know. It's one of those gut things that I have. I just, I feel it. And I don't know why. I think Kansas City's a better team in this situation, but there's a handful of games every year that things happen that you just can't explain. And I think that's going to happen in this week. All right. I'm taking the Chargers to win at Baltimore. Uh, I, I picked this before seeing a line. Uh, I just assumed Baltimore would be favored after last night. And they are by three games. I just feel like Baltimore's been really sloppy. And the Chargers have not. They've been pretty solid. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the uh, the high road here with L.A. I didn't really like my original pick of Vikings over Panthers. So I, I'm going to throw a curveball in here. I bet on hockey 
a lot last year and actually had good success with it. And tonight, the Seattle Kraken play their first game in franchise history against Vegas Golden Knights team who's been to conference championships the past two years. I'm going to ride with the Kraken in this one to beat Vegas outright. First game, who who knows what's going to happen in this one. Give me the Kraken. Dick Kraken. Dick Kraken. That's going to do it for episode 57 of the Going the Distance podcast presented to you by Immaculate Sports. Mm -hmm. Our social media... Instagram, Twitter are both at a Mac Sports, YouTube, TikTok at a Mac Sports. It's been a fun episode. Uh, go rewatch it again because why not, right? Yeah. Uh, Alex, you lost a $100 bet, man. James Connor didn't yeah, score three up. touchdowns. Come on. Hey, up, Brad. <laughs> Alex we'll definitely back, does need to pay up. Uh, Alex needs to get on the podcast. That's what I think. I know, but we keep on trying. Who knows if this will ever happen? Hey, what are you doing tonight? Nothing. You want to come on the podcast? Uh, I hold. I gotta go. Uh, leaves 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 the party. Just yeah, true. He's got to make Mickey a trade with Brett in fantasy. Uh, I, I made my trade. I'm good. My team's chilling. That's true. Mickey Mouse trade though. Uh, anyways, it's been a fun one. Yeah, we'll be back. Any parting notes next Besides, week? Of course, of course, we'll be back next week. Why wouldn't we? Man, a year strong. Hell yeah, bro! The Jets Man. and Niners won't lose this week. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you guys have bias. I'm like, what the what? What's it went that said, <laughs> Go, Jets. Deuces. Brett, you need a. a you need something. You need a parting. What? Yeah. What's your parting word? Jeez, uh, I'll, I'll I'll get something hockey related. You know. We still got something yeah. recorded, man. What? What is it? We need now. <laughs> oh, oh we still we going yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. I, I thought this was off the, On the record. Spot. Come back to me next week. That can that can be my opener next week. Get back to me next week. I'll have something for you. Sounds good. That's we'll be much. back next week with more bread.